you know, last week was uh, obviously a, a, a week that was different for all of us. I mean, I heard people just talking about it. This was crazy as far as all the things that would take place, the schools that were closed, kids missed six days straight, right? I mean, it, it, it was amazing. Some parents are saying, no, not another day. <laughs> you know, but uh, they love their kids, but love them when they get to go to school as well, all right? Yeah. And so um, that was different, and it was different for us to w- really to look at it outdoors and to think, why would we have no pow- no electricity? I want to be careful not to say no power. Power was here, all right? <laughs> we had some people who were showing up, all right? But anyway, the electricity was out, and uh, we, we just had to reboot. And, and uh, I'm thankful for all of you um, who did uh, give us your right information. We did discover it's really vital that we have uh, all of your information in our, our program, our data program. It's called uh, Church uh, Planning Center. And if we have Planning Center updated, then all of you received a text letting you know uh, as far as the update, as far as where we're at. If you received a text, go ahead and raise up your hand and let me see that all across this place. Is that not incredible? Is that awesome? I mean, th- that, that's a whole lot better. And we did that with the push of a couple buttons, all right? And uh, just in a matter of seconds, we were able to get that out to you. So, Please, if you think we do not have your mobile number, okay, make sure and stop by the office. Make sure to contact us throughout the week and uh, help us to keep your information up to date so we can keep you up to date with things that are going on, all right? So we started the year in the subject matter of breakthrough, and it's going to be talking about this all year long, but uh, it's special emphasis on it here at the beginning of the year. And I've been telling you that just because we had the time of prayer and fasting, that maybe some of you didn't see that breakthrough that you were wanting. And the enemy is going to come hard against you, and he's going to try to make you think about what for. What was it for? I mean, I, I was praying that my lost loved one would come to know the Lord. I was praying that I would get this job. I was praying that my car, I'd get a new car, something that was going to be, you know, uh, faithful to me and consistent. I could trust it and those types of things. Uh, whatever other breakthrough it was, and, and you didn't see that come to pass. I want to tell you something. Breakthroughs are something that that many times takes a process. You got to get some things in line in your life. All right. You got to come into alignment with some things. And and it's not just your works. It's all about many times about us recognizing the where the enemy is trying to stop you from experiencing one breakthrough, one area. And the other thing is going to be kind of like this big old snowball effect. How many of you experienced a snowball effect in a good way before? In a good way. You see, we talk about snowball effects and we think about it as a bad thing. You know, if one thing goes wrong, something else is going to go wrong. It just kind of starts to snowball on you. Well, I wanted you to start thinking about it from a different perspective. I want you to start thinking about how God desires to cause for a snowball effect to start to happen in your life with the good things. Amen? One thing starts to happen and you start to praise the Lord for it. Another thing starts to happen. You begin to praise the Lord for it. You start to tell some people about it. And all of a sudden, all those things that the enemy tried to do to stop you or to take away your faith only becomes motivation for what you, you praise in the Lord. And this big old snowball starts to take effect and you start to get this momentum. And that enemy is rather than confronting you, he's running from you. The word of God says what? Resist the devil and he will flee now how many believe the word of god i hope you do all right because it is the same today he is the same today as he was yesterday and will be forevermore and the word of god is true and it goes against uh everything that this uh um that, that, that would be limiting the word of god is him he is the word there's no limit to him so as we talk about breakthrough i want you to understand something about breakthrough breakthrough happens for us when victory occurs at the enemy's most protected strongholds and it happens for you on an individual basis at different ways and at different times okay but it can also happen for us in a corporate sense and i'm going to deal with the subject matter here today that that has me a little bit nervous all right nervous not because i don't believe in it but nervous because i i i'm not sure that everybody has an understanding of the subject matter and how it has affected us. I'm not sure if everybody understands the stronghold of the enemy in this particular area. And when we start to deal with it head on, when we start to see the stronghold that the enemy has, and we start to have breakthrough in this area, I believe, all right? I tell you what, I believe it because it's in the Word. I'm going to show you in the Word today where God, it's, it's literally the heartbeat and the passion of God. And how many of you know that when we're on God's side, it's going to go really good? All right. And so 
we're going to talk about this area, breaking through racism. Breaking through racism. Now, here's the challenge that I have today. My family was um, extreme. We, we were, I grew up in the church. You've heard my testimony. I was saved at the age of four, filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the age of eight, was tra- taught to respect everybody, no matter their age, no matter their color, no matter what side of the street that they grew up on, railroad tracks, whatever. You know, just, I, and I had that in me. But I didn't have an understanding of some of the challenges that are happening in the world today that people have to live under. And it goes beyond racism, as a matter of fact. We're going to deal a little bit about with, the, with what is underneath it as we talk about this important subject matter of racism. Because some of you are thinking right now, when I just mentioned that, we don't have that here. We don't have racism here. We don't have a problem. Pastor, what are you talking about? How is that a stronghold? What I'm suggesting to you today is that we should not limit our involvement or our thoughts or our interaction with just what we have in our immediate vicinity, all right? But we need to be thinking about how we can constantly be affecting the culture around us and about how we might say some things, understand some things, and and it may be completely based upon preconceived ideas that are not based on factual information. They might say, why? <laughs> Pastor, everything's going just fine. When we, when we, 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 we've got all kinds of races here. We've got, you know, Hispanic, and we've got black, and we've got Caucasian, and we've got uh, even some uh, Fil- Filipinos. I mean, we, we've got all kinds of individuals that are here. Well, we do. But how many of you know that sometimes there are some things that we don't have understanding of and we could actually be more one than what we are even now? It's quiet in here. I'm going to admit to you something. I'm nervous about this because of my limited understanding and I don't want to offend anybody. But I feel like we're good to, we got to deal with things correctly because I feel like there's ideas that have been put within our minds that have caused for us to push back. And this whole political arena that we're in, this whole thing about how some people actually believe that if we can get the right people in government, we can have revival in America. You know what you're trusting in when you have that thought? You're trusting in king's horses and chariots. Listen, I want a godly government. I believe that it is true what we've seen in the Old Testament, especially where the, where the government was one that would fear God, and, and, and we see it on Josiah, and they began to read the scriptures, they pull it out, and the people began to weep, all right? I mean, that was something that was far-reaching. It was affecting awesome things, and the, and the whole kingdom was affected as a result of that. But we also see generation after generation, whether it be the changing of the guard, where they did evil again in the sight of the Lord. <laughs> so you had the people rising up towards godliness. You had the other people who were pushing it back that wanted to go the way of their flesh. I'm convinced that the enemy is not going to stop. He's not going to try to detour. He's not going to stop trying to detour us or distract us. In this area of racism, we have to understand a little bit more, maybe a lot more, than what we understand now. And I can't do it all in one message. So it's Black History Month, and this month in February within our nation, and there probably ought to be other types of history months with other types of ethnic groups and things as, as well to see and to celebrate the contributions that, that all races have given to where we're at today. One of the beautiful things about America that we live in is that it is considered to be the great melting pot. And the founding fathers, they, uh, while they had their issues, how many of you know they've got their issues? How many have been a little bit ashamed of some of the the people that's in your family line, some of the decisions that they made, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, tell me they didn't do that. <laughs> tell me they didn't say that. Sometimes, some of you are still afraid to go to some family reunions, right? You're not, you're not sure what's going to come out of someone's mouth. You, you, come on, you could tell the truth here today, all right? And so I want to start here today with this, uh, this definition of racism. So racism is, go ahead with the next slide, please. An explicit or implicit belief or practice that qualitatively distinguishes or values one race over other races. 
All right? Racism is an explicit or implicit belief or practice that qualitatively distinguishes or values one race over other races. How many think that that should not be part of our makeup here at Central? We should not value anyone or anything explicitly or implicitly based upon race, okay? That's what we stand for. Let's just put it in, in a little bit clear, uh, clear English. Next slide, if you would, please. It says this uh, summary. The heart that believes one race is more valuable than another is a sinful heart, and the behavior that distinguishes one race is more valuable than another is a sinful behavior. So when we value one, if, if, if even I value another one that's not my own more than the other and see, well, we just need to, we need to, just need to grab a hold of, of this ethnic group, of the blacks or of the Hispanics or, or a, a, of the Caucasians. And when we start to value those cultures, those groups more than another, we do ourselves a great disservice because God has put us all here. He went so far as to talk about the body. We're all different parts of the body, are we not? I don't know who's the ear here, or who's the big toe, or who's the thumb. I don't know who the nose is, all right, or the other parts of the body. He said, there's, a, there's parts of the body that are honorable, and there's parts that, you know what, you know, they, 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 they shouldn't receive as much attention as they do, and others ought to receive a little bit more. I don't know. If you look at yourself, and you wake up in the morning, and you say, you know what? I don't really know how much of a contribution I make to the body of Christ because I'm just this little pinky. I mean, what's a pinky going to do? Well, I, I don't know. The pinky, I mean, reach your, itch your ear, right? <laughs> you see, that's not very practical, Pastor. I, I, I don't know. What do we know about the big toe? We know that when you lose your big toe, it makes it really hard to walk, right? We, we could go into the practicality of all these types of things, but here's what I'm trying to say to you. Jesus, or God said, that every part of the body is important. We need everybody to realize that. So racism has affected our community and our culture and the world in which we live. There's some things about racism that we're going to see in Scripture and also in the world in which we live. And before we do that, I just want to kind of give you a thought-provoking video to take a look at and to see how much we have been affected, how much our kids are being affected due to some racial thoughts that they've had. Go ahead and show that video, if you would, please. It looks like it's just a, it was came up earlier. Here we go. This is going to be scripted at the bottom. Quale bambola è bianca? Quale bambola è nera? Quale delle due è bella? Mm, questa. Qual è quella bella? Qual è quella brutta? E qual è quella buona? Quale è cattiva? Qual è buona?
Perché è cattiva? Perché è tutto, tutto nero. E qual è la bambola che ti somiglia di più? bambola è nera? È offeso. Sì. Tu? Perché mi hai chiamato nero? Perché ti offendi? Mi offendi perché altri bambini mi hanno offeso con cattiveria. No, io non ho usato nessuna cattiveria. Quello sto mi sta guardando storto. When I saw that the first time, it erupted a certain type of emotion within me. Emotion was not feeling good. It was a sock in the gut. The one that said, my God, my God, how have we got to this place to where children have perceived that they're ugly because of their skin color or that they are not as valuable as someone else. Now here's the thing. There's some people out there who have some different ideas when it comes to racism. Morgan Freeman played God in some movies. You know who Morgan Freeman is? Yeah. Since he, he, he doesn't like Black History Month. He basically says that well, the best way to get rid of racism is not to talk about it at all. And there may be some people who, who believe that and in a sense have an understanding of that. But think about not talking about it at all. That's like also burying your head in the sand and saying there is no, no issue. He thinks that, you know, by, by talking about it, we exasperate the situation. We make it bigger and... and, and But the problem that I have with that is that we don't acknowledge the reality of some of the things that are happening. And it makes us look very ignorant and very insensitive. As I think about the type of church that God had in mind, I see something different, so different, that he even took to, his, to, took to task some of his greatest workers. I want to draw your attention to a passage in Scripture there found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. His name is Peter. How many of you know about Peter? Well, he came to Antioch, and the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Galatia, says this. He said, I opposed him to his face. Paul speaking about Peter. Because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived... He began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. Ouch. His what? Don't you know that if, you know, as he's writing this, if he was in a face-to-face -face kind of situation with him, Peter just rose up and said, you dare call me a hypocrite? You know he couldn't hold his tongue, right? I mean, come on. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray, this encourager of men. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to, to, follow, to follow Jewish customs? And what he was talking about is the requirement that in order to become a Christian, you had to be circumcised. You had to do other types of religious rituals and things. And, and, you know, but the whole point that we're trying to make here today is that he says, listen, you treat people one way when other people aren't around, but you treat them different when someone else is around. 
when you feel the pressure, when you feel the, and, and, and you consider, what you're doing is you're actually considering someone of higher value, more important to impress or to be in good favor with than you are with these people. Now, we know, and you can go back to, and we can see in Acts chapter 10, that Peter had already been dealt with this issue when it comes to God himself. In Acts, the very beginning of the establishment of the church, and, and uh, I, I, I'm not going to allude too much to this, but just give you a summary. Peter was there, and, and he was taken away in a, in a trance, kind of like, and it had a vision from the Lord, and, and, and there coming down out of the, the heavens was this, this cloth, this tablecloth before him, and, and there, there was this food, this unclean food. And the Lord gave it to him. He says, now eat of it. And it was what was notoriously for Jews to be unclean food. He says, I'm not going to do that. Three times it came down. Three times. And and he said, I'm not going to do that. He said, listen, what I have made clean is clean, Peter. This little situation that was going on, Peter recognized was not just to do with the food. But he didn't understand what it was to have to do with until someone came knocking at his door. And said, we've been sent here by a man by the name of Cornelius. And this man is a God-fearing man, but he's a Gentile. And oh, by the way, he's he's got a notoriety for being a God-fearing man. And he has sent us and invited you to come over to his house. And all of a sudden, some things start clicking together. And he's realizing, but I can't do that. I can't do that. Why can't he do that? Because they were considered to be unclean. We're going to move on, and we're going to come back to that in just a few moments. You know, there are lots of areas, and I'm going to zero in and deal specifically today, I guess, on the black history, and, and we'll, we'll deal with some other things in the, in the weeks to come about how the different races have contributed to the making of America, the great America that it is today. But it hasn't come without great expense and great challenge to a number of people today. Many tears have been shed as a result of the mistreatments and the injustices and the inequalities and the things that have happened today. But I want to shout out a little bit to those individuals that are of the black race who have contributed some awesome things to us. Many people are shocked today to hear that Henry Ford literally bought the concept plans for his first automobile from a black man. Ain't that pretty cool? Many people are shocked to hear that uh, black folks are credited with inventing the mousetrap, the umbrella, and ironing board. Very practical things. And they definitely, we get filled up with pride if we're cheering for individuals and when we discover that the black man, and his name was Daniel Hale Williams, performed the first open heart, successful open heart surgery. He was the first physician to do that. Now, it was a situation in which he had to because a man had been stabbed in the heart, but they had determined that once someone had stabbed in the heart, there was nothing that could be done. But he decided to, at that moment in time to open up his chest, the doctor at the time, go in and replace and, and, and to fix the cardiac the, the sac. I'm not real medical. <laughs> but it, he, he, he fixed that sack that was there and sewed it all up together. Incredible. The man went on to live 20-some years. Daniel was born in 1858. He died in 1931 in Idlewood, Michigan. He was an American physician, and he was the founder of the Provident Hospital in Chicago. He graduated from Chicago Medical School in 1883. And you realize, wow, it was like the 60s when all the racial tensions and the things was going on, but this man was a doctor in 1883. He served as a surgeon for the Southside Dispensary, and he was a physician there for the Protestant Orphan Asylum. In response to the lack of opportunity for blacks in the medical profession, he founded the first interracial hospital that was called Providence Hospital. It was to provide training for black interns and for the first school for black nurses in the United States. And he was a surgeon there. For many, many years, he went on to become the chief of surgeons at the Freedman Hospital in Washington, D.C., and he created another school for black nurses. Pretty awesome when people will recognize the things that's going on and say, you know what, I'm not going to accept the status quo. 
many people think about, when they think about black history, they think about what took place in the 60s. They think about Martin Luther King. They think about Rosa Parks. And they think about how their actions changed the course of direction for America. But it isn't enough just to have historical events that took place if we only remember them as history and we don't move forward and we think about how is that going to inspire us and affect us today. Once again, you may be here today and there's not ever been a, maybe a racial thought where you've looked at somebody and you said, well, I'm higher than them because of their skin color. But we have done it when it comes to where people have lived, the cars they drive, the homes they live, live in, the jobs that they have. That's maybe not racial, but you know, you've considered yourself higher because you know what, you went to this school and somebody else went to that school. You hear the things in America where people, when it comes to college sports, they, you know, the, the University of Michigan Wolverines, they can't stand the Michigan State Spartans. You say, that's silly, Pastor. That certainly is demeaning to what you're talking about today. I'm just trying to show you how silly it is that we could not really have any ownership to a particular school or a particular place. We don't have any type of input or reason behind it, but all of a sudden, because we don't like a certain color, even when it comes to schools, school colors, we will choose sides and consider one being more valuable than the other. When we dwell too much in the past, we create this, this opposition and this deference of the things that are in the present. And, and we need to understand that there are still some things that are happening today that are completely not right. There are inequalities that are happening over and over again, and it's proven. It's proven by statistical studies, studies that are done right here and now concerning some of the injustices that are happening in America based on race. Minorities are still experiencing a significantly lower average income than what Caucasians are. It is not uncommon at all for the blacks or minorities to be last hired and first fired in many, many cases. Black communities or minorities communities are the target of many drug issues and things that are going on. The, the people are trying to create this illegal drug distribution because they figure, hey, it's easier. Say, There's no other sources of income, certainly, than they'll do this. Now, I say people. Do you understand the force that we're dealing with here? We're dealing with strongholds. We're talking about spiritual strongholds. But we are living in this human bodies, these flesh and life bodies, the blood bodies that we have. And unless we redirect our focus, unless we understand what's going on there, then, then we're not going to be able to help change the situations. It is at a very alarming, alarming rate that minorities are the largest percentage of the incarcerated in America today. It is proven through statistical studies over and over again that there is inequalities when it comes to the justice system. That a black man or a black woman could commit a certain crime and someone who is not black will commit the same crime and the same thing, the same type of punishment will not take place. You're like, are you saying that the whole system is rigged? Are you saying that, 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 that there's evil judges out there, there's evil prosecutors, and they want to go ahead and do that? Well, probably so, but not in every case. The situation is, is that there is a spirit of racism and, and where people, where the enemy wants us to keep on looking at people, lifting ourselves up and beating other people down. And it shows through very ugly, like in racism, but it shows up on playgrounds, over and over again, just in the area of bullying. You know what I'm talking about. And if we don't find a way to address the issue where somebody could look at themselves and say, well, I'm better than you, and living in that manner way over and over again, we're just going to keep on repeating some of the same things over and over again and not getting anybody better or any healthier. We're certainly not going to be the influence to the kingdom that God had in mind. You see... This discomfort that I have right now is because 
I don't want anybody in the room who is black or is Hispanic or is of another race, is, is, is Filipino in here of, of Far Eastern, uh, uh, Caucasian or Caucasian such. I, I don't want us to feel awkward. I want us to get excited <laughs> that we are going to pull off this mask that the enemy has tried to let be there. Where, where we have just kind of buried our heads in the sand and said, you know what, you ought to get over it. This is what I hear in, in, in white America. Certainly there's as much access to the great things in the world and the country in which we live. We've had a white, pre- I mean a black president, right? As if that was going to fix everything. How many of you know they don't fix anything because that's a fixed attitude? There are so many things that are wrong in America. There are so many things that are based upon that, that which Albert Einstein talked about, prejudice. You know what prejudice is? Prejudice is to prejudge. It's to prejudge. It's to, before you even have the facts, to go ahead and to make an assumption about something. You know what really irritates me? As a five foot five. Once redheaded man. Who looks small in stature, but you know what? Considers myself bigger than what I am. Come on. That I would be told, you know, you better not go down there. Without somebody else with you. And what they're thinking about is about my safety and about my acceptance in a particular area. I said to one of my friends who happened to be a black friend of mine, said, he said this, I, he said, and I'm using the word black to distinguish, okay, you know, because I, I, I just want you to understand. I've got all kinds, but I was talking with him, and I want you to understand the context. And I said, you know, I just want to go into some of the toughest areas, and I want to put a, a sandwich board on, and I want to walk around and say, I want to know you. Silly, I know. <laughs> Probably be received as far as like that guy is a quack. He's, but, but do you understand what I'm saying as far as my heart? Do you feel the emotion that I have behind that? Because I, I don't want to be told that we can't go places or we have to fear for certain things, whatever, because of my prejudged thoughts, the thoughts that I've had. But guess what? Some of them are warranted. You see, this thing with racism doesn't just go one way. It goes the other way as well. I've went up to certain people and I've tried to extend kindnesses and, and hospitality to them. And they're just like, I don't need you. What do you think I need any of your help for? Here in Marquette neighborhood, just before our national day out, I'm, I'm spreading, going around and I'm praying throughout the community and I, I come across the path of a man. And he happens to be a black man and he's working on his car that was there. And it was a Sunday afternoon and I said, I, I, I pulled by first. I seen he was working and he was working in, a, in an odd place in the street didn't look like he really belonged in the homes and i'd like to help people and i said to him i said hey i'd like to help you out is there anything that you have need of you need any tools you need anything that I can do and, and he looked at me and he said what, what 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 you think you have some right to be here i'm like yeah i got a right to be here i mean i, I thought he was joking at first I was so ignorant. I was just like, I mean, I was, he was seeing something and he was talking pretty fast. It was through the window and I wasn't quite understanding what he was saying. But he says, you got no right to be here. We don't want your kind. And he started to call me some names that were racially motivated. And I'm just like, whoa. And all I wanted to do was to come. You see, the enemy has infiltrated the preconceived ideas of so many of us, no matter what our race is that we're afraid of, of what might happen to us more than we are afraid of what, won't, of what won't happen if we don't go and be Christ to people. You hear what I'm saying? The motivation to be Christ, the motivation to be kind, the motivation to say this is the love has to supersede every kind of concern that I would have that would be in this area of fear or prejudice. Say, Pastor, that kind of thought life, you're going to get yourself killed. <laughs> You see, because it's not just racial, you know what I'm saying? It, it comes down to, there, there's, there's divides when it comes down to, I'm a northerner, there's a southerner. We're from the east. You, you, you see the crazy divides that we have? 
But you know what? We don't have to settle for that as a church. We do not have to settle for that because God has told us, guess what? He's tried to correct us. He's corrected those that have come before us and says, there are some of you who know how to do things because I put an anointing upon you to be able to do it. And I, I, I got to move real quick. I can't give you the backdrop of all this, but in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, there is an occasion in this context of Scripture where David is assembling a, grass, a, 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 a vast army. And if you go ahead and you look through the, the, the passage there in all of uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, beginning at verse number 22, you could see that he was getting men from Judah, men from Simeon, men from Levi, men of Benjamin, men of Ephraim, uh, all these. And there was thousands and thousands of men that were coming to put together his army to make him the king of Israel. And then in the middle of that, in verse number 32, all right, he says, men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs, just 200 of them. Everyone else in all this list, and you go and look at it, is numbered by the thousands. But 200 of them just understood the times and knew what Israel should do with all their relatives under their command. And those people were just as important. I'm telling you today that I think that we probably feel like a minority in America today, a minority in the sense of a people who are mixed in our race, who are saying, listen, we understand what's going on out there. We understand there's some inequalities, there's some things that are happening. But guess what? God's going to give us a sensitivity to know what to do about how to make a difference in these times. And it doesn't have to make up the majority because we're going to rely upon God to utilize the wisdom and the anointing that he's placed upon our lives. He's going to give us understand, understanding, skillful insight. We're going to engage the country, our, our culture, and we're going to know what to do even when we didn't know what to do before. Because guess what? We're going to pray about it. We're going to become engaged with people, not enraged with them because of the, of, of the, the things of understanding. Do you know what happens in, in road rage? Everybody, anyone ever have road rage exhibited towards you? Towards you. Someone's just got, I mean, they were just like out, off the handle, out of control. You're just like, what in the world? Has anyone ever made a mistake and, you know, and you, you cut someone off? You started to go into the lane and, and, and you, you, you caught yourself before you got there. But even as you did, all of a sudden, what was happening? The, the head's just bobbling like a bobble thing, you know, like that. The words are just coming out. They're saying that you're number one all over again. You know what I'm saying? They're just, you know, they're just looking at you and saying, my goodness. And, and they're giving you, throwing the fist. All that stuff is going on. And they have no idea what just happened there. It may be totally your fault. Maybe there's a blind spot. Maybe because the kids were, were doing something. Maybe you were doing something with the phone. or the uh, But who hasn't? Who hasn't? Now let me ask you this question. Have you been the one with the road rage? Have you been the one that has done that? And you're just like, oh, you forgot all those times when you cut someone off. You forgot. You weren't having, you know what I'm saying? You're there, right? That one man who was just in the news a couple weeks ago jumped on the hood of the car. 65 years old, I think he was, going down the highway for about three miles at 70 miles an hour. Both of them being arrested. How do things get to that level? How do they get to that place? They get to that place because someone doesn't know the times. They don't understand what's going on. You don't understand what's making all this go, right? <laughs> we understand it. We understand it because the Spirit's going to lead us into something different. We understand it because we're going to educate ourselves. We understand it because we're saying it is unacceptable for anybody to be treated less than the God who created them to be. Amen? Dr. Joy DeGray was at the Muskegon Froenthal Hall, the Froenthal Center in downtown Muskegon back in November. And she said this, she said, the United States is a divine experiment, and if we can make this thing work, I really truly believe the rest of the world has a chance. <laughs> she sees the United States as that. I'm going to dial it in a little bit. How about the church is this awesome example 
The world could be, the United States could be the experiment, but I say let the church be the example, you know what I'm saying? To where we go ahead and we reach out and we reach across every type of barrier that we see there and say whatever it is will put will be within our minds, this prejudging attitude that we have that I'm better than someone because of whatever. I say, uh-uh, it's not going to happen. She goes on and says, we have an amazing diversity that clashes with each other, but it's a diversity that created the brilliance of this country. In order to make this work, to truly have an equitable country which everyone feels and is a part, there needs to be a lot of truth-telling. And that truth, all right, needs to include the history of both slavery and the impact it continues to have on our society today. From the way we talk about race in our day-to-day lives to our historical narratives, our education systems, our scientific institutions, and more. She goes on and explains this understanding of history and how deeply entrenched we are in our communities are in the most incomplete telling of it in other words much of the contribution of black america is to just around those things of the things that have happened in the past and then the injustices and we could talk about what's happening to the native american as well I've gone to a number of these prayer times where we prayed as a nation and over and over again, we keep on saying, Lord, we repent, forgive us for what we have done towards these individuals whom we've stolen their land. Hello. You're like, well, we would have the United States that we have if we wouldn't have done things the way we did. Listen, how many of you know if there's some things that you're experiencing that's to the good that didn't come about in a good way at all? It doesn't make it right. And I've asked myself, well, how, how do we get past this? How do we, I mean, how many times do I have to repent and how many times for something I wasn't really part of? It happened hundreds of years ago. What I think we got to do is we have to be willing to acknowledge how what happened hundreds of years ago has still contributed to what's happening today. And why some people have thoughts the way that they do and responses and reactions the way that they do. It's just like driving down the road and someone inadvertently saying something. How about someone gives you your response? Someone gives you this, this, this road rage type of response and you just back off and back it down rather than going ahead and giving it back to them. How about someone prejudges you? for something that's going on, and you're just like, my goodness, I didn't mean that. Just back off. And then rising up in anger towards them, we let the Spirit of God come out of us and say, hey, listen, I, I, I think you're misreading me here. I think you're misunderstanding me. I've got this idea that I can literally go anywhere in the United States and, 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 and I can say to somebody in many, 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 many cases who might want to do me harm, and they may not, the reason you want to do me harm is because you don't know me. But I want the attitude of the David Wilkerson and the stories that you read and the cross and the switchblade that says, guess what? I, I, where, where, where Nikki Cruz comes up to him and says, listen, I'm going to cut you up in a thousand pieces. And David Wilkerson says, and every single piece will say, I love you. <laughs> and Nikki Cruz and his life was changed from that point on. Gave his heart to God went on and became an evangelist. It's part of the whole teen challenge thing that we have here today in the world touching and changing lives because of that attitude. Listen, David could have become racist back in response. He could have said, you know, he could have had a, another prejudge. Well, there's no sense. They, they won't listen. How many of you know what happens when you say They. <laughs> I find myself, who is they? You know what? They do this. They eat this. They say this. They, they live this way. Whatever. I mean, uh, people have said things about me because I'm short. You must really hate it that you're not tall, don't you? <laughs> ain't, that, ain't that silly? They're thinking about, you know, you, you must really feel inadequate because you're not tall like me. I mean, you're not even the average height of men. Certainly, I mean, what, how could you contribute? How could you do anything good, right? Hmm. 
I am so running out of time. I have run out of time. We're going to pick this up, but I, I, I want you to know that there is a, there's a place, there is a way in which we have to receive the correction from the Holy Spirit. As Peter received it from Paul, and we know the things didn't stay, stay the same way that they were. The racial tensions and the things that were there, they, they were still going on. But God has set us on a new path, church. He's put central here, and I believe that he's given each and every one of you are hearing this message right now, are going to be held responsible for what you do with your actions from this point forward. Amen? You're going to be held responsible with how you intentionally look at somebody who's not like you. And what do I do with that? You're going to be held responsible for how someone mistreats you or devalues you and how you respond to it. Because as John Bevere says, your future is determined by your response. That's your destiny. How you respond to the bait of Satan. And the bait of Satan is this. He wants to get us to hate others. He wants to get us to, to look down other, on other individuals. But guess what? Not here. Shake your head with me and say, not here. Not here. Not here. Not here. And not only not here, but not in my vicinity, not in my influence, not in my area. I'm going to be, be like those people that's on that TV show. When I see injustice done, I'm going to stand up and say, hey, listen, I'm not going to try to make a, a heated exchange, but I'm going to say, you, you must not understand what you're doing here right now as you're devaluing this person. You must not understand, because if you did, and certainly you wouldn't do it. Or maybe this is the way in which you were treated. Maybe this is the way in which you're supposed to, you think it's right to speak to kids. How many of you have been somewhere and you've seen some kids that were just being totally devalued and humiliated and such? I mean, it was, it was just, it was, it was painstaking. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, that's none of my business. Have you ever asked and said, Lord, how can you make it some of my business? <laughs> How, how can I give any kind of response here at all? Maybe it's towards the mom or the dad or the person that is authority there who's having a really hard time, and you come to their aid rather than trying to bring correction to them. Do you ever think about that? Do they deserve it? No. Do you deserve it? Life? Do you deserve the mercies that's been given to you? No. But guess what? How about rather than looking down our nose at somebody, how about rather than devaluing someone because of the way in which they're responding to a situation, we say, guess what? I'm going to become an answer. I'm going to become a solution to this issue rather than becoming more of the problem. Amen? Praise team, come if you would, please. I didn't get to all my points, but that's all right. Pretty good buzz up here. <laughs> Just a distraction. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me, please. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And we appeal to you by the power of your spirit. That you would do something in us, Lord, that helps us, that helps us to move from complacency to activity. And that we would be activated in true sincerity, true Christ-likeness. Lord, that we would commit ourselves to become educated about what someone else is going through before we form judgmental thoughts about them and the way in which they should be acting. The racial issue that we have, Lord, is 
just one of the tools that the enemy is doing to promote this whole thing that would belittle others in order to lift us up. But it is in direct opposition to what you demonstrated, what you said, you know what? I've come to serve and not to be served. So help us, Lord, to have that attitude. Help us, God, to to get rid of all of the other preconceived ideas and and say, it doesn't matter how people treat me. I'm going to respond like Christ. I'm going to trust you for the outcome. If you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed and you'd acknowledge and you say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but it's been tough. There's, there is fits of rage. There are things that swell up within me. I see some of this stuff go on and, and I, I, I just got irritation that's just, it, it's anger. And, and it could be towards what you see, that how someone's treating you unjustly, or it could be because you see what, what society is doing towards other people. And, and, and you're just like, I, it just makes me so mad. But mad isn't what's going to change it. And you want the Holy Spirit to come in and you want him to rearrange your whole thought process about how you can make a difference in this area. If that's you, by the uplifted hand, would you please raise your hand right now? Say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to get rid of the, the rage, the anger, the wrath. Help me, to, help me to just give that over to you. Lord, sees those hands. You can put them down right now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm asking this question, and it, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but I'm I just kind of curious, and I, I really believe something will happen with this and your response to this. But you would say, you would agree with your pastor here today, and you would say, with everything within me, with God assisting me by the power of his Holy Spirit, I want to do everything I can to defeat any type of racial injustice that I know of or that comes across my path. If that's you and that's your determination, will you lift up your hand in this place? Will you lift up your hand and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Any kind of racial injustice, I'm going to do it. Amen. Look, I mean, it's just it's just all across this place. Amen. You see what happened when you raised your hand about that? You said, yeah, I'm serious about this. I recognize it as an issue and we're going to change this. We're going to turn this thing around. 